everybody, and welcome to the show. Join me as I dive deep into the captivating, confronting, and character-building world that is competitive swimming. The pool is a school, but the lessons are for life. My name is Duncan Todd, and you are on deck with Dunk. and welcome to the first installment of The Book of Eight Lanes. As I mentioned in my previous podcast last week, the first section I'll be covering in The Book of Eight Lanes, in this little project that we're embarking on together, will be for swimmers. But before we get into it, I would like to spend a moment or two explaining how I've structured things. As I've mentioned, I've allowed myself eight lanes with one concept or idea in each lane. The eight lanes symbolize an Olympic final, which many would consider to be the ultimate achievement in competitive swimming. Now, to have some fun with it, I'm going to discuss the ideas in reverse order, which means I've stuck what I believe to be the most important or significant ideas in lanes four, five, and six, and then filled out the final lanes with similarly awesome, but ever so slightly, edged out concepts. I would like to emphasize, however, that some of the seeding, so to speak, of these ideas is a little bit arbitrary. And whatever ends up in lane eight, which we will discover very soon, might actually not be that much slower, so to speak, or less significant than what ends up in lane one or seven or two, and so on. But art imitates life, and the fact that it's hard to separate these finalists is fitting. I'm sure if I wanted to, I could get online and check any recent Olympic final to see the ridiculously small range in qualifying times. Often, the difference between snagging lane four in the top seed and sneaking into the final in lane eight is but a heartbeat. And let's not forget that one of the all-time coolest things that you can do in swimming is win the final from lane eight. I, for one, Absolutely love the outside smoker. So who knows? The idea that we're about to talk about today might end up just winning the whole show. So I hope that sufficiently explains the somewhat loose framework with which we're going to progress through this book of eight lanes. Naturally, I do have the plan, but in keeping with the spirit of Tao and Zen, I've layered that plan lightly on top of the river that we are following together, that this project represents. We are all headed towards the ocean one way or the other, and neither you nor I at this point know exactly how we're going to get there. To me, that's fun. I'm excited. Now, the last little information I want to share before we do kick off uh, with uh, the Lane 8 qualifier, so to speak, is uh, the story, really, uh, of how this particular entry came to be. So I was leafing through a collection of books, uh, looking for inspirations to support ideas that I have about competitive swimming. And truth be told, I was having something of a hard time deciding which idea to kick things off with. After all, being the first entry, I wanted to start with a bang. But having decided to leave the best or the top seeds for last, there was a risk that the bang I was searching for could become 
a weedy whimper. So I picked up a book by one of my favorite thinkers, Osho, and the particular book is called Tao, The Pathless Path, and I started reading. The book starts off with a little parable that literally made the hairs on my arms stand up. You know that feeling you get of zing or resonance or something that hits from time to time? Well, I had that and I decided that to ignore it would be churlish. So, with the intelligence of life smacking me upside the head, I can happily and freely announce that the first finalist and swimming in lane 8 is Focus on the Journey not on the goal. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a whole bunch of eyeball rolling and thinking that what the hell is this about? I'm looking for elbows up, fingertips down, that kind of thing. Well, hear me out. I want to pass on the story that Osho shares in his book, and then I'm going to dive deep into it. There is a lot going on in the story, and there's a fair amount to talk about With regards to the idea or the approach of focusing on the journey as opposed to focusing on the goal. Grab a cuppa, a protein shake, a coffee, or a glass of wine, depending on A, who you are, B, where you are, and C, what time it is, and make yourself comfortable. In a small village that nestled at the foot of a valley amongst a range of grand old mountains, there lived a young man. Life was busy for him, with seemingly enough work to fill all of his daylight hours. No matter how hard he worked, there always seemed to be more work to do. To occupy his mind and to give him a break from that manual labor, in his small, limited, free time, the young man loved to read the words and works of Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu was a mythical man credited with the creation of Taoism. His work, the Tao Te Ching, forms the cornerstone of Tao, which is known, so appropriately for us, as the watercourse way. What did I tell you about water? Anyway, back to the young man in that small village. Let's stick that village somewhere in China, appropriate, I would imagine, seeing as the story is inspired by Taoism. So, being in China, let's give our protagonist an appropriate name. Let's call him Yu. So, for years... Yu had dreamt of visiting a wonderful statue of Lao Tzu that he knew was hidden deep in the mountains. The young man loved the words of Lao Tzu. He admired the way that the great man had lived, but he had never seen a statue of that mythical elder. You see, in Taoism, there are no temples. It's too irreverent and natural for the confines of walls and the limits of systems and structures. So the very few statues that existed were scattered here and there about the mountains, standing in beautiful, remote, open places, no roofs, no walls, no priests, no worship. For years, the idea of that statue had filled Yu's mind, a far away and sometimes seemingly impossible goal. And the years passed. There was always so much to do and always so little time in which to do it. But finally, one night, Yu decided that he just had to go. After all, he reasoned, it wasn't that far away, just a hundred miles, which, in the big picture of things, wasn't many at all, right? In a fit of inspiration, grabbing a lamp because it was a very dark night, Yu quietly slipped out of his little house and started walking. But by the time he had reached the outskirts of his sleeping village, a slew of problems, doubts, and fears 
romped around his mind like toddlers high on cordial. One hundred miles, and I'm so poor, I'm going to have to walk the whole way. And I'm not really sure where this statue is exactly, and the road doesn't last long until it becomes a small track heading deep into the mountains. I bet it'll be dangerous. There'll be wild animals for sure, and who knows, I might even fall off a cliff. It's crazy sitting out now in the dark. What am I doing with just this small lantern to guide me? No, better wait until morning. So, weighed down by fears and intimidated by the unknown, the young man sat down and awaited the sunrise. A few hours later, the sun had risen, but Yu was unaware, so lost was he in his thoughts. An old man was walking by, his long white beard thrown over his shoulder, and a longer wooden staff marking time on the earth as he walked. The old man saw Yu, and he stopped. Hey, he said loudly, and tapped Yu on the knee with his staff. Yu jumped. What are you doing just sitting here on the edge of the village, young man? Yu explained. The old man listened, and then he laughed. Not the bullshit kind of polite laugh we have to endure at cocktail parties when we're all pretending to get along with each other, but a real deep, honest belly laugh. What's so funny? asked you. Haven't you heard the ancient saying? Nobody has the power to take two steps together. You can only ever take one step at a time. The powerful or the weak, the rich or the poor, the young or the old. It doesn't matter. Everybody is the same. Regardless of your station, irrespective of your situation, if you wish to go somewhere... All you can do is take one step. And once you've taken the first step, then all you can do is take another. Even Lao Tzu spoke of this. I'm sure you know. A journey of a thousand miles, began the old man. Begins with a single step, finished the young man sheepishly. Exactly. So what are you doing here exactly, moping like adult? Lao Tzu spoke of a thousand miles, and your journey to the statue is only one hundred. Well, answered you. I've never walked a hundred miles before. So what? demanded the old man. It's not as if you have to walk all one hundred miles at once. Your mind is playing tricks on you. No, it's a lovely journey to that statue. I've been there many times before. The countryside is beautiful, full of magnificent trees and flowers. There are cooling rivers and lakes full of fish and turtles. And higher in the mountains, the views will take your breath away. Just take your time. Enjoy the walk. When you are tired, rest. The forest is full of delicious fruit and sheltered places. Walk a mile or walk ten. Stop when you will. A day here or two days there. What does it matter? In fact, you can come along with me if you like. I've been up this path a thousand times before, and I'm four times your age. The old man reached out with his staff and poked it in Yu's chest. Stand up. Yu was surprised by the strength in the old man's voice, the conviction. So... He stood right up. Give me your things, said the old man. I'll carry them. You're inexperienced, so just follow me and sing out when you're tired. We can rest as often and as long as you wish. Together, they walked one simple step after another. Yu began dreaming of the statue, imagining what it would look like, anticipating how he would feel when he first lay eyes on his goal. Consumed with his thoughts, Yu was oblivious to his surroundings, A sharp whack to the guts knocked him over. Yu fell to the ground heavily and looked up in shock and pain. The old man was standing there, brandishing his stout staff. Why did you hit me? grimaced Yu. 
What are you talking about, answered the old man. You are so lost in your head that you walk straight into the end of my stick. The old guide shoved out a thin hand and helped haul Yu back up onto his feet. He peered in close, his bright eyes filling Yu's vision. Stop dreaming and thinking about the statue. It's coming ever closer, and when you finally see it, it will not match your imaginings. In the meantime, you are walking blindly past treasure after treasure. Yu looked about him, really seeing his surroundings for the first time. They were deep in the forest now, where few people journeyed. Nature was vibrant here, full, generous. The air was still calm and somehow cradling. Nearby, he could hear the joyful tumbling of water over rocks. The old man watched the boy absorb his surroundings. He nodded in approval. About time, he said, shouldering his staff, and continued along the haphazard path. Those 100 miles just came and went by. Before long, the two travellers reached one of the most beautiful statues of one of the greatest men to ever walk the earth. There was something special about that statue. It was not just a piece of art. It had somehow been fashioned in such a way as to represent the very spirit of Tao. In that lonely, lovely spot, the statue was standing, and there was a waterfall just by its side. You and the old man watched the water as it tumbled and fell, flowing easily with no guide, no maps, no rules, no rigidity, simply flowing, adapting, molding and curving as it made its inevitable way towards the ocean. The old man smiled at you. Now, young man, he said, your journey begins. What a great story. I absolutely love it, and I hope you do too. Now, do you notice how the young man had spent years dreaming and imagining his goal, caught up in his head, fantasizing about that statue hidden somewhere in the hills? It's almost as if that obsession, that mental fixation with the statue, disempowered him in a way, eviscerated his initiative. So, let's look into it. Even before the young man starts his journey, there is a very relatable lesson there. There was that burning and consistent desire deep within his mind and heart to visit that statue. It was something he had wanted to do for years, something perhaps that wasn't logical or optimal, and certainly not easy or convenient, but regardless, it was a real impulse. And we all have them, those quiet desires that might not make any sense, Feelings we can so easily ignore in the pressing business of our modern lives. And why is that? Why can we hold real, deep-seated desires and ignore them for years? Because when we spend our entire time in our minds thinking, speculating, hoping, dreaming, we're operating in enemy territory. In that domain, we're powerless because there isn't anything concrete that we can do. Indeed, I'd say it's easier now than ever before, probably, to justify ignoring our quiet dreams, our aspirations, our interests, because on top of the inconsistencies and trickeries that our mind will play on us, modern society is really so mercenary. Everything now has to make sense in the limited view and logic of making money, being successful, earning a living, and so on. Why swim if you're not going to swim at the Olympics? 
Why play a musical instrument if you're not going to lead the Philharmonic Orchestra or sign a massive music deal with Sony, for example? Today, it seems that dreams need to be justified by dollars. It's all or nothing. Action needs to be justified by lofty, lucrative goals. Now, there is another small pearl of wisdom hidden in the very early stages of that story that I would like to draw your attention to. When did that dream, the goal, the desire of that young man to visit that statue actually bloom and flourish into action? In the quiet of the middle of the night. In the quiet. When the constant noise of living had waned, when there was respite from the chores and duties and requirements of work, when people were asleep, leaving the young man alone with his thoughts, alone with himself. Only then did his spirit, his authentic intelligence, have the chance to rise to the forefront and make him realize that actually he just had to go. Now, when do we get that solitude today? Where do we find that peace and quiet and time to just be alone with our thoughts? Clutching our smartphones like a baby grips a dummy, when are we ever alone? Once again, our always connected lives conspire to prevent any connection with our deeper selves. What hope does that softly spoken, tremulous voice of your dreams have in the face of the noisy, flashy, glamorous, loud and brash intrusion of a 24-hour news and social cycle. And the story just continues on giving. The young man sets out, and even before he reaches the outskirts of his own small village, what happens? Well, his rational mind kicks in and starts talking him out of it. One small potential problem, Walking for a few short hours in the dark is jumped on by his logic, and in an instant, the mind is off and running with a litany of reasons why that goal is impossible, worse, why it was probably even foolhardy and dangerous to even think about setting off on that journey. So, those new qualifying times for that meet are released, and you realize that you need to find another three seconds in your hundred fly to make the team? Watch as your mind fires up with all the reasons why that's impossible. Follow the indignation and the self-pitying rhetoric that spews out of your mind. We are very good at identifying problems. We are very accomplished at cataloging all the reasons why we can't do something. That thinking stopped the young man in his tracks before he even left the village. It stopped me in my life so many times, and I'm sure it stopped you too. And then yet more wisdom. While a young man is so lost in his thoughts as to be oblivious even to the rising sun, an old man appears, and he personifies assistance, guidance, and support. Once again, every time in life when I've actually honestly, earnestly thrown my entire lot in, with my quiet dreams, and every time I've courageously pinned the colors to the mast and summoned the courage to pursue a goal that was near and dear to me, life or the universe or something has intervened. It's almost as if there is an impulse where life and experience wants us to succeed. People appear, events conspire, and circumstances arise that facilitate your journey towards your goal. 
I know it can sound silly to say, but perhaps if you honestly audit your life and experiences, you'll notice events and synchronicities and coincidence that have happened to you when pursuing closely held goals. Now, am I saying that creation swings into operation to guarantee you your desired results? No, of course not. But when you are on your path, the world does respond. Isn't that exactly what beginner's luck is? But let's get back to that old man. What great advice he gives. We are all the same in the face of our aspirations. No outcomes are certain. Shortcuts are not possible. And even the biggest, most difficult undertakings can only be tackled one step at a time. Doesn't matter who you are, or how strong you are, or how wealthy you are, or how talented you are. All that matters is that you do something, one thing, one simple thing that moves you one step, one short step closer to your destination. It's empowering. It's beautiful. It's true. Okay, so you're up against an age group rival. He's already six foot four and more manly than your own dad. So what? Is he going to beat you in the 50 free? Probably. So what? But that isn't what our minds say, is it? No way in hell. Our internal dialogue fires up immediately. This is bullshit. This is unfair. I'm a victim. How am I ever supposed to compete against this dude? So on and so forth. But who cares? It's all in your mind. Just swim. Swim your own race. Do your best. Learn. Experience. Develop. Be patient. Relish the challenge. Deal with defeat. Learn how to sit comfortably with setbacks. One day, things will change. They have to, because life is change. It's the only thing one can ever count on. Now, I want to dive deeper and look at the story at another level. The parable touches on a very subtle truth of life. What am I talking about? Now, society today loves to be able to explain everything. We have an obsessive need almost to be able to define and categorize and pigeonhole and simplify. And it feels to me like the world has become absolutely binary. It either is or it isn't. You either win or you lose. You are either totally right or completely wrong. It reflects the all or nothing approach that the world viewed through the limiting lens of social media promotes. Yes, no, one, zero, success, failure. Mutual exclusivity and simplicity is the order of the day. Nuance and implication don't fit at all in a tweet and they take too long. And I believe our world is poorer for it. So what exactly is that subtle truth that I believe the story points at? Well, I think they're talking about the absolute indivisibility of things. Now, what does that mean? Well, having a goal immediately implies a journey. It might not be a physical journey, but it's a journey nonetheless, a period of time acquiring skills, moving from one point in reality to another point before the goal is achieved. So, a journey is implied by the existence of a goal. 
They might be separate things, but they actually depend upon each other. Conversely, being on a journey implies that there is a goal. Whether that goal is to swim a new PB or grab another drink from the fridge or learn a new language, there are steps and progressions involved in realizing that goal. So the goal creates the journey while the journey creates the goal. And here we're talking about the finalist in lane eight. And I'm saying focus on the journey, not on the goal. That's not to say that the goal is not important. Of course, have dreams, have desires, have things that you're aiming for that encourage you, that motivate you. But once you have them, don't stress about them. They disempower you. Don't worry about how you're going to get there, what you got to do, what happens if it doesn't work out. That's disempowering. It's disenfranchising. It's not helpful. So once you've got that goal, focus on the journey. All right, this is where I want to go. Now, what can I do? Because remember, we're better at doing than we are at thinking. So, in short, a goal implies a journey, and a journey implies a goal. They are the different faces of the same coin, heads and tails. So, given that it's a two-way street, what's given me the certainty to declare that out of those two mutually dependent parts of the whole, those inseparable halves of the coin, the journey and the goal, that one is better off focusing on the journey and not spending too much time worrying about the goal. Couldn't I just as easily assert that it's only the goal that counts? Especially in light of this cutthroat winner-takes-all reality that we all now unfortunately live in. And hey, that's an easy one, because regardless of our efforts, irrespective of our experiences, goals in of themselves are never controllable. There are no guarantees. That's why the old man admonished you for daydreaming about the statue. When you finally see it, he said, it will not match your imaginings. And the reason is this, because one happens only in the mind and one happens in our experience. Now, it wasn't only the ancient Zen and Taoist masters of China and Japan that were onto this. The Stoics in ancient Greece and Rome were talking about this very same issue. Seneca talks about how the outcome of one's efforts doesn't belong to you. It cannot. The only thing that one can control is one's effort and conduct in attempting to achieve an outcome. When I coached with Bowley in the lead up to the 2012 London Olympics, he was constantly talking to his athletes about probabilities. There are no guarantees, he would tell them, day in, day out. There are no guaranteed gold medals. There are no guaranteed peak performances. In life, there are only actions and procedures that you can consistently execute, day in, day out, that will make success either more or less likely. It's a game of probabilities. It is not guaranteed. Now, I can imagine that some people might struggle with the idea that it's impossible to be certain of a goal or a result, um, that such a viewpoint 
might be discouraging or disempowering. But ironically, it's the very intrinsic uncertainty of a goal that is so empowering. Why? Well, because if you approach it correctly, it allows you to focus on your experience. It allows you to set aside the pressure and expectation of whether a goal will be successful or not and concentrate on all the things that you can do. It shifts you from worrying and existing in purely a mental domain of speculation, fears, hopes, and all that, and it anchors you in the very real, experiential, step-by-step -step process of the journey. Our power as humans lies in doing. Thinking of a fireplace doesn't keep you warm. Reading a menu doesn't satisfy your hunger. You need to do. We need action. We need to engage. Then, and only then, do we have the chance to achieve our goals. When I was 17, I stood in the Olympic Stadium in Barcelona. During the opening ceremony, I watched as an archer lit an arrow from a small flame. He turned, and he drew that flaming projectile back to his ear. There were 10,000 athletes or so, and 50,000 spectators at least, and I can remember it feeling like time itself had stood still. The archer released his arrow, and the memory of it streaking across the night sky, like a comet of realized dreams, is still crisply vivid to this day. From my point of view, that arrow dropped into the cauldron and the Olympic flame burst into dazzling life. It was one of the few breathtaking moments of my life. But as I sit here now recalling it, a myriad of memories swirl and appear. Throwing a water bottle in a fit of rage at my coach's head and missing, vomiting into a sink moments before a qualifying race, getting dumped in the ocean off Locarno two weeks before the Olympics in France and buggering my back after being told by my coach not to mess about in the surf. The car rides to and from endless training sessions, sometimes talking to my mum, sometimes ignoring her. An endless stream of recollections are attached to that moment in Barcelona. That Olympic flame was the goal. And all of those experiences on the way good and bad, were steps on the journey, and it is impossible for me to remember one without the other. And more than that, I wouldn't even want to, because it's in the very experiences themselves, in the very steps of the journey, that the value of the goal is found. It's in all the defeats, all the setbacks, all the triumphs, the friendships, the failures, the fun times, the practical jokes, the countless crushing sessions, the meltdowns, the fears, the doubts, the achievements on the way that make that single flaming arrow arcing across a night sky so special to me. Every small, stuttering, uncertain step on that path transforms the idea, transforms the goal of something mental, something unreal, into something that we experience, into something that we can hold on to, something that resonates deep within. So while having that goal is so important, the inciting incident, the motivation, the 
impulse in order to do and change and grow and strive. Celebrate the fact that the journey is where the gold lies. The journey is where the treasure is found. Goals and aspirations are never certain. If they were, ironically, we wouldn't value them. But the experiences that we will encounter on the way will reward you beyond measure. And when you focus on those single steps and you appreciate the twists and turns of the path, the good and the bad, that awareness and that engagement frees you from the weighty, onerous edifice that our minds can make of goals. And when you're free of fear, and when you've managed to remain focused on the things that you can do, aware of your journey, empowered by your actions, one day you'll find yourself suddenly walking happily and easily into a beautiful clearing somewhere amongst some grand old mountains where a shining statue stands, bathed in sunlight, in glorious harmony with its surroundings. In swimming, as in life, have a goal, but focus on your journey. And as Lao Tzu and the old man with the white beard says, a journey of a thousand miles begins with but a single step. So, what are you waiting for?